Welcome to Getting Work to Work, a weekly podcast that explores the creative and curious world of work through monologues and conversations with artists, creative entrepreneurs, storytellers, and changemakers. Back on the show to talk about his latest production with BeerNetsProductions.com is a longtime friend of the show, Goff, from Australia. In this conversation, Goff shares stories about all the vignettes, insights, and stereotypes that went into making the education system. In typical Goff fashion, he provides numerous lessons in marketing, brand naming conventions, and handling criticism, not to mention how to pay better attention during interviews. For filmmakers, he also illuminates deeper insights into his writing style and how he manages his film productions. Show notes and links to all the good stuff mentioned in this episode can be found at gwtw.co slash 604. All right, ready? Yeah, absolutely. Mate, I ain't ready for breakfast. <laughs> well, Goff, welcome back to Getting Work to Work. Guess what? Lucky number 13. All right. <laughs> well, yes. We'll both, uh, lightning will strike us as this interview concludes. But That's uh, right. thank you. Thank you for having me back on. I do appreciate it as always. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, thunderstruck earlier today. So, you know, what's a little thunder and lightning when it's when it's time to talk with Goff of BeerNutsProductions.com? Absolutely, and I like the uh, the the subtle plug. I, uh, I I genuinely approve. That's well done. You know, <laughs> I, I think if there's one thing that I really appreciate about you, Goff, among many things, is that like you find the best way to work in BeerNutsProductions.com <laughs> into, into, into casual conversation. I I am a whore. There's no doubt about it. I'll tell you a quick a quick funny story. Right, so I did a national television. Uh, interview uh, here in Australia. And so the producer, before I went on, uh, schooled me very strictly. Uh, we cannot have, because it was like, it's day, it was daytime television. Like I'm not, uh, it was, uh, it's actually up on YouTube, the interview anyway, but that's not the point. So she said to me, uh, you can't say your website address during the interview because people who pay for sponsorship get upset when people do that. So you can't do that. I said, no worries. That'll be fine. I promise I won't do that. And so then they asked me a question about my latest film. And I said, yeah, this is the latest film. And it's available at beernutsproductions.com. And then something else happened. And I said, yeah, well, at beernutsproductions.com, you can download that and all the other films. And uh, apparently Amy, who does my marketing, she calls me up and she said, you had the smuggest look on your face every time you said the website address. She said, you, you just, the most smuggest, most dickhead look on your face. And uh, so then I explained to her why I had such a smug expression on my face. And uh, yes, but uh, no, nobody will stop me from saying beernutsproductions.com. I will, uh, I will never be silenced. That's right. And nor should you be silenced because that is your livelihood. And that's how you make all of your delicious films is by, you know, launching them on BeerNutsProductions.com. Well, look, at the end of the day, man, I mean, if you don't market yourself, who's going to? Like, seriously, like, I mean, if you don't do it, no one's going to do it for you, man. So you just right. got to, you got to go out there. And if people, are, I mean, I've had people give me a hard time about it and say, oh, for goodness sake, man, would you just shut up about you know, but hey, look, you know, at the end of the day, it's the only way to get your name out there is to ram it down people's throats sometimes. It's, yeah. I mean, it's just what you got to do, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, I mean, what's great too is like whenever I see a bag of beer nuts here in America, I'm like, I instantly think of you. Well, there you go. See, you're welcome. Exactly. So not only is it a memorable URL of beernutsproductions.com where you can find all of your audiovisual needs. But I mean, you've got name recognition with other things. It's perfect. It's brilliant. Well, well, yeah. Well, I, I guess I, uh, not to get too uh, bogged down in uh, boringness, but um, <laughs> like when I was coming up with the name Beer Nuts Productions, you know, it was like you got to have something that's going to stick in. I mean, let's put it this way: no one has ever asked me twice what the name of my company is, which is good. You know, because I remember the, the the clincher for me was I saw an Australian film which I really loved, right? And the two producers of the film was a guy called, I think it was Matthew and Michael. And so they called themselves M2 Entertainment because obviously Matthew, Michael, M2, I get it. But I mean, 
what a boring, useless name for your production company. You know, you've got to have a bit of imagination. And also, the other thing too is I'll tell you another story in regards to, I saw an interview, and again, this was a bit of a clincher for me as well. So there's an Australian comedian called Kevin Bloody Wilson. Now, uh, what he does is he sings very uh, dirty songs. He writes uh, it's original songs, but like they're filthy in humour, swearing, all that stuff. I think it's hilarious. A lot of people don't like it. I love it. Anyway, that's not the point. The point is his real name is Brian Dennison. Now, uh, <laughs> there was an interview with him and they said, why'd you change your name? And I love his reason, right? His reasons are fantastic because he's a very, uh, in Australia, we'd call him an Ocker Australian guy. Like he's as Australian as they come. That's his character that he puts on. So he said, I first, I looked up in the phone book, what's the most common name in the phone book? Because it's back in the 1980s. What's the common, most common name in the phone book? And it was Wilson. So I said, all right, I'll go with Wilson. And he said, everybody seems to have like an Uncle Kevin, so I'll go with Kevin Wilson. And to make sure people understand that I'm a dirty and blue comedian, we'll put bloody in the middle. So Kevin Bloody Wilson. So that's how he came up with his name. And so it's the same kind of like, so when I'm coming up with Beer Nuts Productions, I want to make sure that it's something that represents who I am in regards to, I mean, Beer Nuts Productions, Hopefully people would think that it's a fun title and it's a quirky title and it's a comedic kind of a title. And so people would have an understanding, okay, if we go to beernutsproductions.com, we're probably not going to see heavy dramas and crazy sci-fi films. That's probably not what we're going to see at beernutsproductions.com based on the name. So, you know, the name's got to represent the brand and it's also got to be memorable. So that's why, you know, there was a bit of thought go into it, even though I think a lot of people think that uh, when it comes to me and what I do, not a lot of thought goes into it at all. But um, <laughs> I, 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 I disagree wholeheartedly <laughs> based upon the writing of your most recent film about the education system. Like <laughs> you poured every ounce of writing and intelligence into that script. So there's oh, a lot of well, thought that goes into your work. Well, I, I appreciate that very much. You know, me like when people meet me and stuff and they see the work and they see what I do and they're like, man, you know, but um, you, you are, I mean, you are right. I, I do put a lot of time and effort into what I do because obviously it's important. I mean, you don't get, well, okay, this might sound conceited. It's not supposed to, but you know, oh, you, don't do get good, do you don't get, you don't get, you don't get good quality work by just slapping a few things together. You got to, you know, things take time. You've got to flush out a script to make it as good as it can be. You've got to take time to cast the right actors to make sure they'll produce the work that you need them to produce. You know, you've got to take time to make sure that everything works out exactly how it's how you want it to so that it's a good piece of content. And then when it goes up, it sells and you don't go bankrupt. So, you know, it's uh, that's essentially how it, how it rolls. But I, I appreciate your, your kind words about my film. That's, uh, that's very nice indeed. And speaking of bankrupt, for people who don't know, a phone book was a list of names <laughs> and their phone numbers. That's very true. There's a comedian I like here in Australia uh, called Sammy J. And I've actually, I worked with Sammy J back when I did stand-up comedy. He was actually, uh, he was my support act back in like the year 2000. And he's gone on now to kick massive goals. He's a huge name here in Australia. But anyway, Sammy J's got a comedy song because uh, he does comedy songs. I really like singing comedians, but uh, Sammy J's got a comedy song called I'm the Last Person Advertising in the Yellow Pages. It's, it's, a, it's a very, very funny track. I'm sure if you jumped onto YouTube, you'd be able to, uh, somebody would have put it up there. But yeah, it's a very funny song. Sammy J, the last person advertising in the Yellow Pages. It's a, it's a lovely piece of work. You know, if there is a, a fine art of comedy, it is musical comedy and not like musicals, but like I think of Eric Idle and Monty Python. I mean, he is just brilliant when it comes to musical comedy. Yes. Yes. I, I, I agree wholeheartedly with all of that. Uh, I always, the first one I go to is Stephen Lynch. I think that man's just the greatest of all time. Uh, I know Rich Hall has done it with when he dresses up as Otis Lee Crenshaw. And I think that's really funny because it's uh it's a hard skill. And then like the guy I mentioned earlier, Kevin Bloody Wilson, I mean, again, uh, he's a highly intelligent man. Like, again, people would see this guy come onto stage with like a ripped flannelette shirt and a pair of old jeans 
and he's got this beard and this woolly hair and he's, you know, fuck this and he's all about that. But he's a highly intelligent man because he is a gajillion, like he's a very rich man. He's been incredibly successful. And you've got to remember back when he started in the 1980s, it was cassette tapes. CDs were only just becoming a thing. So he was selling cassette tapes of like he'd do a show and then after the show he'd sell cassette tapes out of the back of his car and then, you know, you'd, the kids would play them at school and things like that and then word gets around and it's like old school because there's no internet. So, I mean, he's a highly intelligent man and, and at his peak, I reckon he was pumping out one album a year, which, I mean, tr 12 tracks of a comedy comedy songs, 12 tracks, that's a, that's a huge effort. Again, I, I, people need to... That's not something you can just pull out of your ass. I mean, that's that's a massive effort. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know what? Another thing that I really appreciate about you, Goff, is like you have like a historical connection to a lot of comedy. So like, not only do you have depth, but you have breadth. Well, thank you very much. I also enjoy long walks along the beach and holding hands by sunset. Just so you know. But only only at BaronessProductions.com. Well, only if you download a film. I mean, if you're not going to support what I do, then, you know, you can go forth and multiply, as they say. <laughs> you not know, heard that before? Oh, I haven't heard that one before. That's awesome. <laughs> what a great, what a great, funny way to say, go fuck yourself. Oh, oh, oh my gosh. That's the funniest thing I've heard all day. <laughs> interviews done i mean where do, thank you how, and good night how can we even top that Ooh, <laughs> i know how we can top that my most favorite line of dialogue in this film that you wrote is from charles the the actor who played the education minister and right after he takes a swig of vodka he says ah it's like an angel pissed on my tonsils <laughs> as well mic drop <laughs> <laughs> well you know that's 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 how he considers the vodka it's that good yeah where 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 do you even embody the character in your mind in order to write such prose with with well, the with that character in mind well well i mean everything like it, it, so the film itself just to give people some context uh there's it starts off with sort of 13 sketches of how the education system may or may not be helpful to people in later life and then we have interviews so there's an interview with a uh, like you said the education minister who's a very sort of right-wing conservative education minister then you've got the very left-leaning union leader then you've got parents of a school-aged children and also an employer so uh, I'm so it's a bit of everything in this one, which was done purposely, obviously. But so to answer your question, uh, when I'm doing the education minister, I need to think of uh, all of those far right politicians uh, from you know yesteryear type of thing. Well, uh, yeah, and and how they how they talk, and I have to have that sort of voice in my head as I'm writing it. And so it, you know, if you if you've you know. I mean, we've all seen those sorts of politicians. And so even the actor himself, Charles, uh, so there was a very famous uh, Queensland premier called uh, Sir Joe Bjorki-Peterson, and he was hard right-leaning, and he was in power for a very long time, probably through the end of the 60s, 70s, and he got voted out in about 83, 84, something like that. So it was sort of before my time, but I've heard of him, obviously. And he's a very famous premier, and he was very much so when Charles read it, he sort of based his performance on Sir Joe because, and, and to be honest, it was a good reference point for him to get. I was thinking of a different politician, but it's the same thing because they're both the same kind of dude. But yeah, so it's just about having the stereotype in your brain and putting it on the paper, essentially. Well, and I, I love that connection too, where you're thinking one thing, Charles is thinking another thing and you bring it together to create exactly what's on the page but in sounds like even a better way than you imagined well yeah so yeah so like i say like both of the politicians we were thinking of are essentially the same to be honest charles is probably a better representation because <laughs> sir joe is probably more accurate to what i wanted 
uh, but it's just because he wasn't really in my ear and my time. It wasn't uh, really in my brain. But um, yeah, so it was just like even the way he uh, we we did his hair is uh, is very uh, Sir Joe like. Um, so yeah, and, and and Charles really enjoys uh, doing those sorts of characters because in real life he's gay and all of those sorts of people were quite mean to him, obviously, when he was a young man because, you know, they're ignorant and stupid. So they uh, he likes the fact that now he gets to make fun of them. I think he gets a bit of a bit of a, a pleasure out of the fact that he, he can make fun of them and mock them now. So, yeah, which is good. I like that I can give him that uh, that bit of an outlet. Yeah. Who, who needs, like, cognitive behavioral therapy? All you need now is, like, cognitive comedian comedic therapy <laughs> well it's it is true like when, when i write a script you know i usually have well yeah nine times out of ten i've got a like a voice in my head of what that character sounds like and it's usually based on someone i either know personally or i've seen on the television or whatever it might be so i'm you know i mean if we go back in time when we did uh, the war on drugs and maya who played the female journalist in that film, who had a massive role. Uh, I had a particular, there's a journalist here on Australian television, who I won't name, uh, who I based her role off because I can't stand this particular journalist. (laughs) And so I wrote in her voice and it was cathartic for me because it gets it out of your system. You know, You, you get to make fun of somebody and like this particular journalist will never ever know that this character was based on her, but I know and that's all that matters you know what i mean so so yeah so yeah that's uh, it's just i i do that a lot you know it, it really does help when you're writing too because you know you've got a specific voice in mind so it's easier to write the words when you know what the voice sounds like yeah well i mean you mentioned 13 like short vignettes before and then several interviews that's a lot of actors that's a lot of writing like how long did it take you to write this script Oh, like all the scripts, they're usually pretty quick. Um, it's the editing that takes the time. So I knew what. So I knew what I wanted to do. So the pro- the problem that I gave myself was when I did the um, the thirteen little sketches. Uh, I, the first two or three are easy, you know, English, math, science, sort of stuff. Yeah, that's no worries. And then I was like, well, I'm really going to have to include all the subjects. I can't just have a couple. I need to have as many as I can think of. And so that's where I was like, okay, so it was just a matter of thinking of the different subjects and how I can apply them. So that was probably the number one struggle. The interviews were fairly straightforward because, again, I know what I want, so they were pretty straightforward. But, yeah, it's just the editing. So once the the bare bones of the thing is down, it's just flushing it out and making it, uh, yeah, making it good. So, yeah, the the writing itself is very quick. It's the editing that takes the time. Oh, interesting. I... I I appreciate that insight into the process because you know like given that it the editing takes longer it's like wow I mean you your ability to write has to just be so locked in and profoundly like efficient at this point. Oh well when I, when I get an idea I put it down straight away and you so within like 36 hours the bare bones of the thing is done. And then it'll be another few months of editing and just making it better and better and better. But yeah, just to get to get it out of the, okay. it's kind of like to get it out of my system. You know, you got to got to get it out of my system, put it on the page, and then I can take my time then. And because I, I rush, because it's all in my head, I want to get it down as quickly as humanly possible. Because otherwise, I'm scared that something's going to leave my brain. So mm-hmm. I got to got to quickly write it all down as fast as I can. And then I can take a breath and then I can slowly go through it and edit it and edit it and edit it. And like, I'm talking like there'll be like 50, 60 edits that I'll do before it'll, before it'll happen. So yeah, to, to really flush it out. That's why I'm so particular with the actors to make sure that they do what I want and stick to the, uh, the words and whatnot. Okay. So I was totally thinking of the wrong editing. When you said editing, I was thinking of video editing. <laughs> no, 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 no. Editing the script. Yeah. Hello, Chris. Keep up, old man. Keep up. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you, in, in fairness, you were talking about the writing process. That, uh, no, I mean, completely fair. Yeah. <laughs> Rip me apart, man, please. Keep me on my toes. <laughs> With pleasure. <laughs> so 
obviously with the education system, there is so much fodder for this, this subject matter, because whether you're on Australia in Australia or America, the education system is, is pretty broken. Uh, and you have illuminated a wide range of problems. Was there one in particular that kicked it off where you were like, this is, this is the, this is why I'm doing the education system. Yeah, well, absolutely. And that is no one's actually in it for the kids. Mm. Simple as that, man. No, nobody cares about the kids. Well, nobody cares about, I mean, I know that. Parents' responsibility. <laughs> yeah, well, that's exactly right. It's a parent's responsibility. But no, nobody, <laughs> how many times, how many times have we heard that shit, you know? But it just, um, it, it, to be serious for a second, I mean, my high school experience was pretty awful. And so, uh, yeah, it was pretty easy for me to come up with all of this because it was just like, I just think back and I'm like, nobody cared about the kids. It was all about the teachers. Like in my experience, I need to be really clear in my experience, the, the, and high school experience as well. My elementary schooling was first class. So I need to make that clear as well. But my high school experience, I had the very, very best and the very, very worst of, uh, of educational experience. So I've spoken about this publicly before. Um, I did a speech at Parliament House in Canberra uh, about disability employment. And my number one point to all the politicians was, well, you're not going to fix disability employment until you fix the education system because people are coming out of the education system, like the kids with disabilities are coming out of the education system with no graduation, with no education. So, of course, they're not going to get employed. It starts at the education level, but that's a whole nother thing. But um, but yeah, so essentially to answer your question, it's a really straightforward answer and that's nobody's in it to help the kids. So uh, I thought I would just illuminate that in uh, many different ways. <laughs> and, and you do. And there were several that I, I want to talk about because they they cracked me up more than some of the others. Not that, not that any of them are bad. It's just like, these were pivotal ones in my mind that just made me laugh hysterically. And the first one was, I believe his name is Aaron. He's the pedestrian who gets asked how to get somewhere. And he starts speaking in like ge geometry. And I just like, I died laughing on that section. Well, well, yeah. So that's, it's not much, not much to say. So when I'm coming up with the math one, it's like algebra. I mean, seriously, who uses algebra? It's the most pointless and yet they ram it down your throat. I mean, for what reason? Nobody knows. So yes. Uh, the, the, so yeah, when I'm coming up with all those sketches, I've got to come up with like the most ludicrous situation possible. And some were easier to come up with than others. That one was pretty straightforward. It has to be said. That one came to me reasonably quickly because yeah, it's like, uh, what would, what's the most inconvenient time to uh, have? And I, I do like his tagline as well. He's got no friends because he, <laughs> all he does is speak in algebra. He's very lonely, poor Aaron. But he's a, he's a good lad. And as you saw in that scene, he's a good sport, Aaron, because we had terrible weather when we were shooting. It was absolutely hosing down with rain for most of the time. And so... I said to him, listen, buddy, we're just going to have to go. We're, we're running out of time. And he was a good sport. He's like, hey, I drink the stuff and shower in it all the time. So not a problem. I'm like, you're a good man, Aaron. I like you. You're a good, good, good chap. So he, uh, he powered through and got very wet, but um, it all worked out in the end. So it was all good. That sounds like a perfect line for, for something in a future film. <laughs> yeah, just... He's just so happy, Aaron. He, I've worked with him many times before. He's a super guy. He's a really nice fella, and he's very reliable. I know that all I need to do is tell him how I want him to deliver something, and it'll be done first time every time. So he's a good lad, Aaron. I've got a lot of time for him. So, yeah. And I also appreciated Courtney, who was the hairdresser and also the history buff. So <laughs> that when she kept interrupting the education minister, like with facts and things like that, that was great. But when she talked about the history of hair dye with, with the other actress in the chair, oh man, that was great. So, you know, you know what she did, which I, I, I was very upset about, you know, joking kind of way. Uh, when we were at rehearsals, 
She's like, Goff, I've actually Googled these facts to make sure they're all correct because I didn't want you to make me sound stupid. So, fair, fair enough. <laughs> I love it. Your actors are fact-checking you. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> but they were all correct, so she, didn't, uh, she knew that they were, all, they were all fine. But, yes, I just love the fact that she wanted to fact-check it so that she didn't sound stupid despite the character that she's playing. So, uh, yes, I, I, I like the irony in it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And then, uh, let's see. That's a parent's responsibility with our, with our recurring friend, Al. Like, he's yes. been in several of the most recent. And, like, he's, he's a man of many talents, isn't he? Yeah, he's very versatile. There's no doubt yeah. about that. Because, yeah, the, the first time you saw him, obviously, he was the... Uh, the snooty uh, art critic in uh, Christian Victoria, and then obviously the uh, the asshole father of the bride, mm-hmm. and now he is a union leader. So yeah, he is a very versatile actor. I like Al a lot. He's uh, he can do again. It's he, originally he's a voice guy, uh, mainly voiceovers for cartoons and things like that. <laughs> so his character acting is really really solid. So yeah, he's uh, he's a good man to work with, and he did a great job as the union leader. He was very good. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of voiceovers, like you have a great lineup of voiceover actors on this film as well. I love the mix that you're bringing in with voiceover and then on-screen talent. Yeah, well, again, so with the voiceovers, uh, they're all actors, obviously. Some are professional voiceover actors. Some are just regular actors. Uh, But it was important when I'm doing casting, obviously, they can't all sound like radio guys because that, (laughs) Well, they're teachers. They're school teachers. They've got to sound like normal people. They've got to sound like school teachers. So it's cool to have a few in there that are proper voiceover talents, but then you do need to mix it up with some actual proper actors who don't do a lot of voiceover work uh, and do more acting work because you need it to sound real. You want them to sound like teachers. You can't have people saying, hey, and here we go. It's uh, Drive on 92.5, you know? <laughs> That's not what Today we're going to talk know. about traffic safety education. <laughs> <laughs> Win five hundred bucks in cold hard cash. So you know, you can't, it's your can't money be or your that. life. <laughs> the the icy cold cans of Coca Cola. That was the one that uh, uh, always used to crack me up. Like that's a giveaway they're going to do. That was in Australia all the time. The cars <laughs> that used to drive around town giving free shit away to promote the station. Mm. It was always. And get your icy cold cans of Coca Cola. Like that's a that's a thing we need to rush to get. Anyway, that's beside the point. So anyway, but um, yeah. So it was important that I got like a range of voices because they need to be school teachers. They don't need to be professional voiceover people. They got to be realistic school teachers. So yeah. I don't know if I've asked you this question in the thirteen times that we've talked, but <laughs> how do you how do you manage a production in terms of like project management? Like, is it a spreadsheet? Do you are you meticulous when it comes to file management and organization and all that? Yeah, I'm, I'm all about lists. I don't like spreadsheets. I find them too complicated. So I, I list things. So everything's done written down in lists. So I've got a whole uh, whole lot of word documents that are a bunch of lists. So yeah, I, I guess uh, I'd be a bit um, OCD, anal retentive, whatever you want to say in regards to that sort of stuff, because I am ultra-organized. I mean, there's uh, 52 actors and five crew in this particular film. I mean, you you have to be organized. There's no other option. So, yeah, everything is organized and uh, very, very clearly written down, very clear instructions, and, yeah, all in list format. So, yeah, one thing after another. We do that job, we tick it off, cross it out, do the next job, tick it off, cross it out. So yeah, everything is very list and, and uh, even down to like the shooting schedule and the shot list and all that sort of stuff. It's all just done. I just type it all out as a Word document because everyone's got Word. So I just type that out and then I email it to those who need it and I type individual ones out. So the makeup artist will get a different schedule than the production guy who'll get a different schedule to Claire who is the costume. So yeah, everyone will get a different uh, schedule and production schedule uh, that's individual and unique to them. So they, they're they not having to think about other people, scroll through to see what applies to them and what doesn't. It's all there written for them. So they have no excuses for stuffing up, basically. 
Well done. Was that something that you had to like discover or did that come naturally to you? Oh, pretty naturally because I mean, like, you know, obviously I started small, so the lists were very small. And then as the projects got bigger, the list gets bigger. So yeah, I'm always, uh, yeah, it's always obviously the first couple of times there were things that, you know, I should have written down or done differently, but you know, it's a learning experience. So you learn these things as you go as well. But uh, yeah, no, it's always been sort of that way and just being bigger and bigger and growing and growing. So yeah. It's a it's it's gotta be a good thing to have those lists too, because you can go back and when you write your memoir in the future, you know, about the past, you can remember certain things about each shoot based upon the lists, probably. Well, yeah, yeah, because I save everything. I, I never delete a thing. So everything's uh, stored on external USB drives. I've got about 10 of them now. So yeah, they're all just put in the cupboard. Uh, and uh, once I finish with a film, it all gets backed up. Uh, like all the raw footage will get backed up and all the pre-production stuff, all the lists and all the photos and all the everything will get backed up, stuck on a drive. And then once that drive's full, it goes in the cupboard and a new drive uh, is purchased. Yeah. So yeah, so that's essentially how all that works. because. Uh, it's important to keep uh, my IT man laughs at me. So I've never, I've never ever watched not one second of Harry Potter. Uh, it's just not my jam. It's not my genre. But um, uh, apparently, uh, Voldemort is a man who uh, has lots of backup plans and can never be killed, or something of that nature. And uh, he refers to me as Voldemort because I've got like backups on backups in case anything was to go pear shaped. And he's got a backup drive i forced him uh, he was against his will but he's got a backup drive i'm not kidding that's actually the truth he's got a backup drive with all the files in case like there's something goes wrong with the website i don't have to go to his his office with all the files he needs he's already got them you see so if something goes wrong he can just re-upload straight away there's no time wastage so yeah he uh I, i'm yeah so i've got like uh, four different external backups of things in case anything was to go pear-shaped you know, you probably think like we're we're talking about how the sausage is made here, but like I I think how this connects back to the whole education system. I think it's good for people to understand what goes into filmmaking, and how other people make films as well. Because like some people prefer lists, some people like spreadsheets, and I think I think that's an important thing to understand. And I'm I'm the first to admit everything I do is very different from a regular film setup like every part of my process is very different because I never went to university I didn't study anything I just did what I thought was best and how I think things work best and that's what I do so yeah I, I'm, I'm the first to admit I, I wouldn't uh, necessarily come to me and say is this how I should be doing it, it works for me mm-hmm. now I mean like I say I'm not traditional in how I do any part of my filmmaking process uh and I wasn't taught any part of it at all. It was just what I thought would work and what works best. So I guess if there's any learnings from that, I guess it's, uh, you know, there is a lot of trial and error to it, obviously. You know, like I said, when I first started, I made a few key mistakes and I did things differently. And now I've got things on sort of like a bit of a, uh, to a fine art. I mean, this is my 25th film. So, you know, it's not my first rodeo. So I've got things sort of, you know, plugging away just how I like them. And like I say, if a, a professional film guy was to come onto my set, they'd probably think, my God, what on earth is this man doing? But, you know, it works. I mean, you see the final product and, uh, you know, you uh, it, uh, it tickles your fancy to a degree. So, you know, it, uh, it works. So, you know, do what works for you, I guess. Well, whether you're traditional or not, I mean, the proof is in the pudding in that you are making 25 films and you, you don't make the next one until you've made enough money to make the next one. So, I mean, it doesn't matter whether you're traditional or not, you are doing what a lot of people aren't. Yes. Well, that, that, is, that is very true. So you know, even to my business model would not be a traditional business model. I'm sure a lot of financial planners would... Uh, would cringe at the at what I at what I do because it's a, a very risky strategy because I mean if I don't sell any any films then uh, I'm in a whole host of trouble but um yeah so yeah I don't do anything <laughs> like uh, like traditionally you should but uh, you know that's just how I roll I guess that's right and people can buy your films at beernutsproductions.com in case they forgot from our earlier conversation 
they absolutely can, Chris. That is that is one hundred percent true. <laughs> so exclusively, God. I might exclusively. have exclusively. Yeah. It's a it's not a Spotify exclusive, it's a beernutsproductions.com exclusive. <laughs> it's exactly right. <laughs> so how would you fix the education system, Goff? Oh crikey. Uh well, I'd sack all the people that were in my film, like the union leader <laughs> and the education minister for a start. And I'd I'd the 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 uh, the parents of the kids, I'd give them a stern talking to as well, just quietly. Uh but well, no, in all seriousness, it is it's it is, like you said, it is such a mess. And I'm not an expert in this kind of field. I mean, I don't know. You just, I think a lot more common sense needs to be employed. I mean, you know, the, the stuff they get kids to do and the waste of time because, you know, it's, uh, you know, some bloke in the government thinks that, you know, it's important because like in Australia, for example, uh, once a year they hold exams and the point of the exam is to, see like it's a general knowledge kind of an exam and they put the results of the exam on the internet so and then the parents can see what schools are performing good and what schools are performing bad i mean what relevance is that you know you're wasting so the kids have got to study for a general knowledge exam which has no bearing on anything they're going to do in the future just so that a politician can say oh look in my electorate our schools are really great like what's the point man i mean like what a waste of time and resources you know what i mean like just teach the kids what they need to know and shut up basically i don't know yes it's a terrible answer (laughs) no i think it's a i think it's a good answer because it's you know it's so specific to each child too because you know I, i i just i think back to my time in school and it's just like are you actually learning anything or are you learning how to game the system? Well, see, yeah, at my high school, because my high school was such a horrible place, I became street smart at my high school. I didn't come book smart at my high school, but I had to learn because you got a blind kid in a very rough school. So I had to learn when to speak up and when to put my head down. And, you know, I learned about like I was seeing people having sex on the basketball courts in like year 10 and drug deals going on outside classrooms and whatnot. So, I mean, I got an education in street smarts at high school. Now, that's important uh, in life. So I like to take the positives out of things. And, you know, so it taught me a lot of life lessons. It probably taught me them earlier than what I should have been taught. But nevertheless, I was taught those life lessons back when I was 13 and 14. So, you know, that's something. So, you know, it's... You know, you gotta you gotta take uh, take what you can, I suppose. So yes, yeah, I, I think that's fair. I think that's incredibly fair, and I and I again, I really appreciate that you find the positive in everything, and then you pour all the negative into your art. <laughs> well, it's it's a way of getting it out. That's why I said earlier, like when you said, "Why choose the education system?" Well, I don't have a lot of. Uh, you know, good thoughts about the education system. So, uh, you know, it, it is kind of, in a funny way, it is kind of cathartic to uh, to write about it because it, uh, it you get to make fun of it and tease it and uh, mock the people involved, which is fantastic because sometimes, Chris, and this is the truth, uh, uh, sometimes people deserve to be mocked. They yeah. really do for their actions. Sometimes you see somebody do something and they're so dumb and so stupid that they deserve to be laughed at. They deserve to be mocked. And hopefully that snaps them out of their stupor. You know what I mean? So some, sometimes it's okay to, to laugh at somebody if they're doing something incredibly dumb because, I mean, what else are you going to do? There's, there's no other human reaction that you can do, you know? So And, and so when it comes to the education system, it was super fun to write something that's going to mock all these people who I think are such giant knobs. <laughs> you know as you were describing that the first the first image that flashed into my mind was will smith slapping chris rock i mean what a what a dick why would you do something it's chris rock of course he's gonna say stuff like that i mean just if if you don't like it you know sit there and have a fake smile on your face and pretend it doesn't bother you and then after at the after party if you want to take him outside and rough him up that's fine but i mean to do that, what a giant dick! I said so. I said to Claire, who's my costume designer, and she did a lot of the uh, production assistant work, helping as well on this. So 
which was great. She did a wonderful job. So, because as you saw, there's a lot of costume work in this particular piece. Yes. Uh, so yes. I said to Claire, because it was actually the day of the Oscars was when we were filming. So um, I said to Claire, what, because she's married. So I said to her, if Dan, your husband, was to do something like that, would your reaction be, because you've got two reactions, would your reaction be just mortified, embarrassed, and afterwards you would yell at him and say, how dare you make a scene, you've made it a hundred times worse? Or would you say, thanks, babe, for sticking up for me, good for you, I really like that you did that and all that. And without hesitation, she said, I would tear shreds off him. I would be furious if he did something like that because he's making a situation a million times worse by by bringing it out into the open, basically. So, yeah, she was of that opinion. And, like, I mean, I'm not a woman, so, well, I mean, generally speaking, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, times, things can always change, never say never. But, uh, you know, but, like, I would be in that camp as well. I would be pretty annoyed if my partner was to do something like that because, you know, you, it's just so immature and childish, man. I just I don't understand it. But again, that's what the man did. So it's what he did. So whatever. Well, and I think bringing it back to the education system, I mean, making things a million times worse, that just seems to sometimes be the modus operandi of the education system. Well, yes, yes. Yeah, well, like I said originally, man, no one's in it for the kids, so they're all in it for themselves. And of course, when people act selfishly, it never ends well. So, yeah, that's uh, that's essentially essentially that. Yeah. So, was that Malcolm playing the trumpet? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Malcolm, uh, he's a professional actor, but he's also a professional trumpet player. So, he actually had just finished a run. Uh, at the Star Casino of doing Jersey Boys. So he was the trumpet player in the band, for, like in the orchestra pit for Jersey Boys. That's so because cool. uh, he was complaining that uh, when they had to do matinees, he had to do a rehearsal in the morning, then a matinee and an evening show. And I'm playing these songs three times a day. And he was very unhappy about that. But uh, I did remind him that it's a paycheck and, you know, you play the trumpet. It's not like you're Santana playing the guitar and everyone wants a piece. So, you know. So, but um, no, he's a cool dude, actually. He's a, a bit of a chilled out kind of character, Malcolm, in all honesty. So, uh, yeah, he did that uh, very nicely indeed. It's, it's probably, probably his delivery was, uh, was one of my favorites, I reckon. Yeah. Any other favorites? Uh, well, what about you, Chris? You watched it. I should be asking you. Uh, I mean, there, there were so many funny lines. I think the two women on, on the beach saying there goes all my fantasies about lifeguards was like an, an, a brilliant line. Um, I think the firefighter painting was a great scenario as well. I like that one a lot. You know, he, he's uh, again, he's another one that we've used quite often. Now, Greg, he's becoming a bit of a beer nuts regular, Greg, the fireman. He was uh, the photographer in the wedding film. Okay. And he did a wonderful job there. And of course, in book club, he was one of the uh, the awful husbands. So uh, yeah, he's been in a few now and he's great to work with. Great. He does a lot of theater work. So he doesn't do a lot of film or TV, but because he does a lot of theater, he's very big. And obviously with my types of films, uh, big is usually better. So um, he, he works for me quite well in regards to how he delivers his stuff, you know, there's not a lot of direction I need to give Greg. He's usually pretty straight on it straight away. I, I think you hit on a new tagline for beernutsproductions.com. Big is better. Oh, yes. Big is better. Well, it's it's true. I mean, I've had a couple of people uh, complain to me. I don't agree with their criticism, but they complain that uh, my films are too big and the actors are overacting too much and it's not you know, it's not funny because everything's too exaggerated and too stereotyped. And I obviously, I don't agree with that criticism, so I promptly ignored it. But uh, I, I think that, uh, like, with the style of film that I'm doing, like the education system, I mean, if Charles, for example, isn't an, an overinflated stereotype <laughs> of a right-wing conservative politician, it's just not funny. You know what I mean? So, and those pair, I mean, uh, Kristen and Kale as the two parents, if they're not hopelessly obnoxious, then it's just not funny. So, you know, you, sometimes stereotypes, uh, I've actually used this line in, uh, uh, it was in Christian Victoria where the uh, the art lecturer says, 
stereo types. They're my favorite types of stereos. And that's sort of what I, I live by. Stereotypes are hilarious. They, they're there for a reason. So, yeah, I, uh, like, yeah, I, I think um, doing exaggerated stereotypes is a, is a good thing. I like it. How do you not take criticism personally? Well, because uh, that's a very good question. So I used to. Um, I absolutely used to. And then I realized one day that uh, it really doesn't matter. Like, <laughs> it's kind of funny. Like, um, how can I word it? It's, it's a really good question, Chris. Uh, like, I realized one day that I, I'm, if I make the work for me, then that's all that really matters. Mm-hmm. And then there'll be someone that'll jump on. I mean, uh, as strange and odd and unique as I might be, there's other people I'm sure that f- would find my sense of humor amusing. So those people just need to somehow find me or I need to find them, you know, and if someone doesn't like me, that's totally fine. I'm not concerned by that anymore. I don't really care because that's they're allowed to not like you. Like there's people I don't like, you know, and that's fine. It doesn't like, it's just how life is, man. I mean, like it's, yeah. It was kind of like an epiphany one day. I'm being serious too. It really was. Like I was just thinking one day and I'm like, you know, someone said something to me and I was like, eh, I really don't care. Like I think you're a bit of a knob anyway. So why would I pay attention to what you have to say? I really don't like you. So why would I take your advice on board? I don't, you know, like don't misunderstand me. When someone does give me any kind of feedback or criticism, whether it be good or bad, I'll always listen to it. I'm not ignorant. I'll always listen to it. And then I process it. Is that worth paying attention to? If yes, then I will. If no, then I won't. So yeah, I always, I absolutely listen to what everybody has to say, but then I process it and I think to myself, well, is it worthy? Do I agree with it? Do they raise a valid point? Is it a good point that they're raising? And if I think, no, it's not, then I forget about it. And if it is, then I take it on board. So. Yeah, I guess uh, I don't know if that answers your question so well, but that's that's kind of how it is, I guess. Yeah, well, and and it makes me wonder where did you learn that from? Well, I don't know. I just I just sort of because I used to get when I used to send scripts out to production companies and distributors and networks and stuff, and they they'd always uh, sometimes they would say no straight away. And then other times it'd be because of my disability, they'd say no. And I know we've spoken about this before, but I used to get really upset because I would, I would think to myself that it's a personal attack on me and, and I would take it really personally. I would take it as a personal attack on me. And then I realized that it's not, they don't know me. They don't know who Goff is. They've, they've read a script or they've met me one time. They don't know me. They have no idea who I am, what I'm thinking, how I feel, what I like, what I don't like. They don't know me. So it's not a personal attack on me because how can they attack something that they don't know or understand? So, yeah, that was sort of the uh, the, the, the the epiphany, I guess, uh, that, that I had one day. So, yeah, just uh, I'm, I'm quite a deep character, I'll have you know, Chris. Yeah. Well, it's a brilliant epiphany. I think we could all learn from you. <laughs> Crikey. Well, look at that. After 13 interviews, I've become the Oracle. (laughs) Have a cookie. (laughs) Well, um, what what are you looking forward to seeing? You know, uh, movies or TV? Uh, Well, that's I saw the trailer because I went to the cinema the other day to watch a film, and I saw a trailer for the new Nicolas Cage film where like plays himself. Yeah, and it was one of the trailer is hilariously amusing. Yeah. So I'm, 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 I think it's out next week as it happens. So I'm super excited to watch that because I actually, I'm one of those people, I actually quite like Nicolas Cage. I think he gets a bit of a bum rap, you know. I think he's just a bit of an eccentric dude who's just there for a good time. And, you know, I, I, I kind of like him, to be honest. I think I, when you see him interviewed, he comes across as a really nice fellow, you know. So I actually kind of like him. A lot of people don't. I do, but uh, the trailer for the film is hilarious. So I'm really excited about checking that out. It's got a funny title though. I can't bring it to mind, but you know the one I'm talking about. So the unbear- you'll have to- the unbearable 
talent of Nicolas Cage or something? Yeah, there you go. That's what it's called. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, I'm very much looking for, and also Bob's Burgers. The Bob's Burgers movie is coming out, and I really like Bob's Burgers. I think that's a uh, very fun. It's so well written. The voices in that are terrific. They they do a wonderful job. I, I assume you've seen Bob's Burgers, the TV show. You know, I know, I know of Bob's Burgers, but I haven't actually watched an episode. Oh, Chris, you got to get on board. It's a very, <laughs> very funny show. Like it's genuinely, genuinely funny. Like really funny. You'll uh, you'll thoroughly enjoy it. I promise you'll enjoy it. It's very good. So yeah, and the so that movie's coming out. I think in a couple of weeks. So. Uh, I'll, uh, I'll enjoy watching that for sure. Nice. Well, Goff, you know, I usually ask you what's next, but I am not going to this time. Thank you for coming and sharing about the education system and sharing your passion for filmmaking and, and making sure that you're, you are okay with your actors fact-checking you. <laughs> yeah, that really tickled me because um, you, her character's so ridiculous and yet she wanted to make sure all the facts were straight so she didn't look stupid. That really tickled me. I love Courtney. I think she's the best. I, I've worked with her a bunch, as you well know. And uh, yeah, she's, again, she's another one that I really enjoy working with because she's super reliable. She shows up every time, does exactly what's asked of her and she's got a great attitude and she's she's a really sweet person as well, which is nice. So yeah, she's super cool, Courtney. And yeah, I just thought it was hilarious that. Uh, she went to the trouble because there's quite a few facts that she had to fact check. Mm-hmm. It would have taken her a good, you know, 15, 20 minutes to get that done. So I appreciate the effort she went to. So good for Courtney. But um, yes, the education system available. It's of course, uh, where's it available again, Chris? Beernutsproductions.com. Big and better. <laughs> That's very true. Very true indeed. And of course, we are fiercely independent, which means yes. that it is exclusively at beernutsproductions.com. And of course, all the uh, YouTube and Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all that good stuff, uh, Be Nuts Productions, just type that in and we will come up. And so make sure you give us a subscribe and a follow and a like and all that sort of good stuff as well. So yeah, just uh, check us out and enjoy everything we got to offer. Yeah. And you can listen to all past interviews with Goff uh, at uh, gettingworktowork.com. You have your own special category. And with, rightly so. With all of them there. <laughs> Yes, well, it's uh, 13 hours of your life you'll never get back when you uh, when you click on that button. <laughs> uh, well done, Goff. It is always a pleasure to talk with you, my friend. And uh, I can't wait to uh, talk with you again in a few months with your next film. Absolutely, Chris. I really appreciate your ongoing support. You're a good man. Thank you very much. Special shout out to Cosmo the Wonder Pug for providing background snores in today's introduction. Be sure to head to BeerNutsProductions.com to get Goff's latest film, The Education System, and find links to all 25 films that he's made, not to mention all of his audiobooks and all of the other wonderful things that the fiercely independent Big Is Better company BeerNuts Productions has made. Until next time, may creativity and curiosity fuel your life.